You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, ready? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zanch, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. Tonight, we're actually joined by our very special guest, a big man of Jets Twitter, the host of Let's Talk Jets, uh, Tyson Roush. What's up, Tyson? What's up, Steven? How you guys doing? Doing great, man. Doing very well. Yeah. Thank I, you for having me, man. I'm, not, I'm, just, a, I'm just a fan, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you haven't even watched our show, but we appreciate you to come on anyway. <laughs> yeah, seriously, Tyson, uh, it's very good having you on. We appreciate you jumping on with us. So um, I'm going to get started with you. Uh, really, I think there's an obvious kind of feeling, different feeling among Jets fans. Even the beat, you got Samini kind of, he's, he's writing an article saying there's just a different feeling like the last decade of half measured attempts at a rebuild. And we all knew kind of how it was going, but now it just feels different. So do you have that same feeling? And, you know, if so, why? And if not, why not? It's impossible to not be excited, man. I mean, it's just so many positive things. And if you look at all the things we complained about a year ago coming into this offseason, they've addressed pretty much all of them. Like there's, yeah, football guys making football decisions, you know, Joe Douglas is responsible for personnel. You have a legitimate, educated, well-rounded head coach. That's a CEO type of guy. You know, you're, they brought in quality players. You know, just they made a lot of smart moves, man. And then you bring in a quarterback that's impossible to be excited about. You have to be excited about him. All the things you're hearing early on. And it's like, every, like even the beat. Like, you know when, like, when the beat writers are being positive, you mm-hmm. know things are changing, man. And it's just, it's hard to not like what you see. And it's like, we were at rock bottom the last two years. That was as bad as it gets. Miserable, mm-hmm. unwatchable laughing stock in the NFL and that whole thing has changed like we have like there's like we have like level of respect now starting with the coach everybody likes Joe Douglas everybody's kind of fascinated with Zach Wilson and then you add like play you, they add like legitimate playmakers there's like a blueprint now something to finally believe in and I, I think it's great man I, I it's awesome yeah it's it's really exciting stuff and I know you're saying about the beat like I was reading daily news piece and I was reading the athletic piece and it's just like they're just raving about this kid and they're like he just doesn't yeah. look like he's being overwhelmed Obviously, you expect growing pains with a rookie, but somebody I'm really excited about based on the stuff I'm reading about is Elijah Moore. I mean, everyone says this guy is as advertised, you know, with his route running ability and speed. I mean, I just can't wait to see what this guy can do on the field. And he even may make Jamison Crowder expendable because honestly, like, you don't need to pay him $9 million to be a third receiver, you know? Yeah, well, it's not, it's not even Elijah Moore. It's the whole wide receiver group as a whole. Yeah. You look at when they had Sam Darnold, they look at some of the receivers he had to deal with. Zach Wilson's coming into the NFL. What we have, you're going five or six deep. Mm-hmm. Like your competition, like last year, we were counting on like Jeff Smith and Vincent Smith to actually do something. <laughs> this year, I mean, it's funny, right? But but this year, they're probably not making the team if they do like the sixth receiver. Like yep. the receiving group as a whole is just so much better. It's like, you know, and now it's like you have an offense where it's like give them the ball in space and make plays for your quarterback. And they can yeah. do that. And, and yep. having a guy like Moore, and you hit it, the Jamison Crowder topic is fascinating to me because. You have you have Cole Keelan Cole, who's a good receiver. Mm-hmm. You have you know Elijah Moore coming on. You have Braxton Berrios, really like him or not. You have all these guys that can probably take Jamison Crowder's spot. And you save eleven yep. million bucks. You know what I mean? Like it's 
No brainer. Let's, let's go down that path. then. so Tyson, where do you fall on that? You know, if, if you were Joe Douglas right now, you know, the jets, because they have cap flexibility, like that's not something that's, you know, prohibiting them from doing anything they'd really want to do, but he is, you know, nine or 10 million against the cap, whatever the number is. So if you were Joe Douglas right now, what would you do with James and Crowder? That's a good question. Um, to me, honestly, I would, he's over right now. He's overpaid. He's not 11, mm-hmm. you know, $11 million on guarantee money, whatever it is. It's, it's not what his value is. He's probably what a five or $6 million year uh, receiver at this point. Mm-hmm. So you obviously you say, listen, take a pay cut or we got to make a decision to me. That money saved could be go towards Steven Nelson. That could go towards Morgan Moses. It can go towards somebody else. We still have holes and yeah. they still, you know, like, and you have, yep. we have cap space, but that's a little extra cap space you can have. So, I mean, I, you kind of give him a take it or leave it offer. Listen, man, here's our best offer. We want to give you $6 million this year. Do you want to take that or not? If you don't, okay, well then, sorry. Like we can't, you know I mean? There's other guys there. Like he's not going to be here next year. Like Crowder, mm, this is his last no year with the Jets anyway. So, you know, it's the, the one thing you worry about is that getting, you know, getting into training campers, making sure everybody's healthy. I mean, Corey mm-hmm. Davis is already banged up a little bit. Mims is kind of banged up or kind of whatever he's doing. So you don't want to get rid of him and then go back and say, oh man, like half these guys are hurt now. And we don't have receivers, but I mean, I'm not opposed to if he doesn't want to take a pay cut to moving on from him and putting that yeah. money towards addressing some other holes. But like, who does he think is going to pay him more than what he's making? Exactly. He's never going to see that money. Nope. What if I was Joe Douglas, what I would do is keep him on the team. He can hold out all he wants. You can find him. You know, if he doesn't show up, that's it is what it is. But just play him. And then, you know, if he's still disgruntled, trade him at the deadline, get like a fourth round yep. pick for him. Big yep. deal. You get like you said, just have the bodies be healthy. And, you know, see what happens. And hopefully that could open up for some playing time for Elijah Moore, even Berrios in the slot. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think you guys bring up good points, obviously. I, I guess in every – you should look at every single season with a clean slate, but it's mm-hmm. hard to do when you're a Jets fan. So you have to kind of take <laughs> into consideration what has led up to this and where we were at, you know, last yep. year a few years ago. So two things we've really lacked for a long time are depth and reliability, especially at the receiver position. So I, I have a hard time. I'd be hard pressed to just to obviously to just cut him, mm-hmm. um, but even to just move him knowing that I'd be banking on a rookie and as good as Elijah Moore sound right now, and we're all excited about it, but yeah, still, I think having that depth and, and he has been good the last two seasons. So yeah. having him there as just the, even just the depth piece and something to rely on that kind of, I'd have, a, I'd be hard pressed to make that move and cut bait. Yeah, but like, is he just a product of being a good player on a bad team or is he actually any good? That's really kind of the devil's advocate of it because yes, he can make plays, but like there's bad player, there's good, decent players on bad teams who look better than they are. And he was our number one receiver by far the past two years. So, and, what, and what's True. Keelan Cole? Like how much better is he than Keelan Cole? Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. So kind of just going off, you know, we were talking about Zach Wilson a little bit. I guess we can ignore him, but of all the new faces that we added this offseason, who are you the most excited about in terms of, you know, it could be Carl Lawson, it could be Elijah Vera Tucker, who you got? I'm, I'm a pass rush guy, man, and mm-hmm. I've been begging for a pass rusher for about two decades. So it's like now it's like Carl Lawson. I was so excited and people, mm-hmm. you know, like some, some reason, like Jet fans are like all of a sudden, like we finally get one. Some people are kind of discounting him. I don't think they mm-hmm. really, you know, they look at his sack numbers like, oh, he can't do this, can't do that. Like we haven't had a guy like him since Abraham. Simple mm-hmm. as that. Like he's a legitimate explosive force that the trickle down of that is what that gives Quentin Williams. Like that yep. outside rush frees up so many other things. I mean, especially when you have a young secondary and like an inexperienced secondary, that pass rush can hide so many things. And it's like how many times a game on a line, you say, we need a big sack here, we need a big play, and mm-hmm. we never, ever get it. This could nope. be a difference maker. And that's, to me, like I like the receiving signings, but to me it's like 
a pass rusher with, with Salah's defense. It's like, yep. Finally, man, you, you nailed it. And I think the big thing that everyone talks about with Carlos, number one, I think his best football is still ahead of him. He's like 25 years old. So he's first mm-hmm. hitting his prime as a football player. Secondly, if you actually look at it, he's like, was like the number one or number two guy. I think he was actually just behind TJ Watt in terms of quarterback pressures. Obviously sacks are important, but it's, you know, it's an inflated stat. Sometimes some guys are just a product of the other guy in double teams. So they're able to get the quarterback. If you're constantly just getting past your assignment, whoever is blocking you to me, that's even more valuable than just being a guy who can get sacks. Absolutely. dude. It's, it's awesome, man. I mean, it's just, there's so much that you can do at a pass rusher, man. It's just, you can scheme. Like actually like they have to scheme for him now. Like you have to worry about a player on defense. Like that's what you need. Like for a while it was Jamal Adams because there, he came from all different angles. But now you have like a legitimate defensive end getting after it. You know, it's not to mention, I mean, we, t- Steven, we talked about this last week on the show, but clearly the defensive line is the strength of the team. It was a strength mm-hmm. last year. They mm-hmm. only made it stronger here. So now you have Quinn Williams coming into year three. You signed Sheldon Rankins. You have Vinnie yep. Curry. You yep. at already a position where you already, where you had depth. And now you get an edge rusher that can consistently get pressure on the quarterback that only bodes well for the Jets defense and for the you know weak corner position that we're at least yeah. in OTAs with right now. So I Tyson, I totally agree. I think uh Lawson was hands down the uh, the yeah. best free agent move they made. And you have even like have guys like John Frank Lemires and even mm-hmm. all these other guys would benefit too. Like you got look what they're gonna be learning from that. Like mm-hmm. I to me like I, I respected Greg Williams as a coach, but I question how much these guys were really coached up last year. Like mm-hmm. you feel like they're kind of tailed off and a lot of guys are just quitting giving up. They're all going to be inspired under Salah. And you have all these young guys, you know, even Nathan Shepard, all these young guys, Votokasi. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, they're going to be all like the, the cuts at defensive line are going to be tough, man. You have a lot of talent there. You're going to yep. get the best out of that group. And that's if you can get a pass rush up the middle. I mean, it's just it's so exciting, man. It is a strength. It's it definitely a strength for sure. Yeah. And even a guy like Rankins, who people kind of sleep yep, on, yeah. he's always hurt. But like when he's healthy, he's really productive. Yes, he he's good against the run. I definitely think he's going to benefit playing alongside both Lawson and Williams. So I'm excited about him as well. Yep. Yeah, um, dude, no doubt. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking a little bit about Salah and the excitement around him. So like, what's your realistic expectation? Or, you know, you don't necessarily have to do records, but just like, what are you expecting to see out of him? And like, what would make you happy as a fan going into the first year, or I guess ending the first year with a new coach and really new regime for that matter? I'm really impressed by his approach, man. He he's he's bringing a lot of assistance to help him, like a game management guy, a time management guy. I got to help him with the rules because, you know, first time head coach, you make a lot of mistakes, and he's trying to account for a lot of the things. I mean, I mean, Gase is a veteran head coach and was horrible in time management, clock management. Todd Bowles was too. They were mm-hmm. in over their head. They had no idea. And it seems like Salas has no problem delegating, getting a lot of analysis to make a very educated decision, and that's going to pay dividends, man. That you know, like he's going to hold himself accountable. He's hold everybody else accountable. I think it's good. I think the goal should be to see smart, competitive, physical football. I mean, mm-hmm. that, we, we were as bad as it gets last year. So say, you know, if you win five or six games, but by the end of the season, you could see progress, especially on offense, where Zach mm-hmm. Wilson's getting better every week. You know, I mean, that's what you're, that you're shooting for. Like you want to just see them like they're well-prepared, they're in shape, they, you know, they'll come out flat and give up 85-yard touchdowns on a first play of the game. You know, like mm-hmm. all these different things. And that he has a feel for his team. He can control his team. He has a control of the locker room. They respect him. I think you're going to see all that. I think it's going to be – you're going to see a very inspired team, and they're going to be pretty much you know all in for each other, which very team-oriented, which they haven't been, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, to me, six wins, seven wins is fine because it's, you're going to see progress, especially yeah. if Zach's playing well. That's, that's all I need to see. I don't expect a lot. I just want to improve. I want to see signs that, like, you know, maybe next year this is a playoff team, and the year after that yeah. – 
actually a contender because we'll probably have a lot more pieces. Probably we'll get like another big free agent because we do have cap space. So yeah, totally agree with you on that. But the the one the one thing that I'm most fascinated by with him is that you know in years past the, our head coach was one, on one side of football. Like Bowles was defense, didn't talk mm-hmm. about the offense. Gase was offense, didn't talk about defense. Salah could talk about both. Like mm-hmm. they asked him about a play on offense, he broke down the play. It was a you know a crossing pattern to Cole. He caught the, like he is involved on both sides of the football. Love it. And that right there that helps in game management. Like last year when they would ask a question about Gase, like you know on fourth and eight, why'd your defense do this? I don't know. I had to watch the tape. We're gonna get answers. Like this guy's actually involved in the game. He's like he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. So and I think the other thing, the other dividend's gonna pay if this all comes to fruition is we can get the free agents now because this mm-hmm. year we kind of turned the page a little bit, but we kind of expect a little bit more. Next year, it's like like almost like with the Knicks. Like you have a rebounding year. Next year, it's like take the next step. Like you mm-hmm. people want to come play here. They want to be a part of New York and a winning organization on the rise. So that's another big step for us. No too. more Jets tax. No more Jets yeah, tax. And oh, sorry, I mean, go, go back to the Carl Lawson point. That's one of the main reasons he came here. He wanted to play yep. for Sala. Yep. Go back to 2009, 2010. We were one of the, you know, the, the teams that yep. most – free agents wanted to come play for us. I wanted to play for Rex. I mean, there's that, that holds weight. Um, I'm extremely excited about the staff that Salah has brought. I think yeah. Tyson, to your point, you know, we always joke that Gase kind of provided the lowest bar to clear probably ever, but you know, how many times did he say, you know, after a game, Oh, we just, we just want to get out of there. Like, no, I want to see competitiveness. I want to see fire. I want to see improvement, obviously, but I think Salah is going to bring that. So um, kind of switching gears, and I'll go back to uh, to Zach Wilson. But Tyson, just wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, where were you on the uh, the keep Sam versus drafting a QB at two uh, debate? Were you always in the you know taking a QB at two, or did you have some love for Sam? Kind of how did that play out in your mind? I, I respect Sam, and when we drafted him, I was one of his biggest fans. But to me, he was damaged goods. It was mm-hmm. time for him to go. I think there was you couldn't if you brought him back. If the Jets passed on a quarterback and brought him back, the the amount of pressure on him to perform at a very high level would be overwhelming. And the minute mm-hmm. he didn't play well, he'd be running out of town anyway. Like, I think he is, it was like a, he was a no win situation here. So yeah. I think it was a, a best, you know, best case scenario is, you know, change of scenery for him, change of scenery for the jets. And, and I, and I don't hate Sam, like I'm rooting for him again, except for week one. I like to see him do well. He's a nice kid, class act, everything else. Um, but I think his time was done here, man. And it's just, and you could see it already. Like, like Sam's demeanor, I think, while it was like cool, calm, and collected, for this market and this franchise, doesn't really pan out for you. You got to have a little chip on your shoulder. You got to have a little edge, which Zach Wilson does. I mean, even mm-hmm. Sanchez had some swagger at times, but like yeah. you need mm-hmm. to, you can't be a pushover. You can't be the old golly G shucks guy. It's not going to, especially with our fan base, man. We don't tolerate it, especially when you're losing and your, your shoulders are slumped down and like the team kind of feeds off you. And to me, it's just, you know, Zach Wilson brings a lot to the table. So for me, I think Donald had to go. I'm honestly shocked they got as much that they did in compensation. As long as the Jets waited, I thought they kind of blew it, and they didn't. So I give Joe Douglas credit for that. But, I mean, what about you guys? I mean, I was done yeah. with Darnold completely. I mean, the funniest thing about the compensation now, it's like obviously we could talk about this now, is that they got more for Sam than the Falcons got for Julio Jones. Just let that wow. sink in. That is, like, actually one of the craziest things to think about. And Joe Douglas deserves a medal for that, besides, obviously, all the other trades he made, like Jamal Adams. Yep. But, yeah, I was – you know, it was tough for me. I mean, basically after the Bronco game last year, I was like, I'm out on this guy. If you can't be Brett Rippon at home on a short yep. week, yeah, you you can't be my quarterback. And it just – he didn't – I kept just holding I hope maybe he would prove me wrong. It just just didn't happen. And, like, obviously we all wanted Trevor Lawrence, and then, you know, we messed it up by beating the Rams, which oh. is still one of the craziest things ever. Um, 
But no, I mean, once the season was over, I'm like, you, you got to take a quarterback. I was more on the fields camp over Wilson for a while, mm-hmm. but then, you know, started so reading into Zach, watching like, you know, highlights of him. I watched the bowl game, which everyone got really hyped about. But like, I, I you know, I mean, I'm hoping fields as well, because, you know, when you like someone, you want them to do well, mm-hmm. you want to be right about that guy. But yeah, no, I agree with you. It was just time to go. I know your co-host on Let's Talk Jets was very pro Sam and he would <laughs> never let go. He probably still doesn't want to let go. Still doesn't want to let go. No. <laughs> That's yeah. like Will from TOJ. He's the same yep. way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll admit I was uh, I was duped by the 2019 finish. I uh, I was one of those guys that bought in regardless of the schedule. I thought the you know six yeah. game or you know six and two means meant six and two, and you you mm-hmm. got to put stock in that. It's the NFL. So I really was a firm believer that Sam was primed to take a big leap in 2020, and yeah. uh, that fell on its face pretty quickly. So. I think, you know, all things considered, if the Jets ended up with, you know, the 11th or 12th pick in the, in the draft in this year's draft, they, they would have kept him and probably should have. But when you get, yep. you know, what happened with Sam combined with having the number two overall in a quarterback class like this, I was uh, I was convinced and I was ready. I was, you know, similar to Steven. I was I would have been OK with Wilson, would have been OK with Fields, would have been OK yep. with Lance. And that was a pretty good position to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I was uh, I'm, I'm happy that uh, the way that it played out. So let me kind of follow up with you, Tyson. You kind of brought it up a little bit earlier. But, you know, talk about the Jets kind of learning from their past and, and, and mistakes. Yep. So do you think that really in year one of this plan, we'll call it, have they done enough for Zach to get a true assessment, uh, you know, in his first season? You think they've done enough in surrounding him with talent, especially compared to what they did for Donald? That's a great question. Because there's a, there's a two-part answer to this. In terms of playmakers around him, I will say yes. I mean, the receivers, are, this is better than Sam Donald's ever had. I like mm-hmm. the running back group. I think the running back group is diverse. I like Ty Johnson probably more than most people do. But I, I like what they have in Michael Carter, obviously. The tight end position is a, a disaster at this point. I mean, I, everybody tries to believe in Chris Herndon, but I'm not really so. But I think overall the playmakers are better. My biggest concern remains the offensive line. Now, mm-hmm. I understand that. There are some upgrades, but Joe Douglas kind of doubled down on a lot of guys from last year, <clears throat> assuming that they're being poorly coached or maybe they're a better fit in this scheme. I mean, I have a lot of faith in LaFleur. I like LaFleur's offense. You know, Beckton with his issues right now are a little bit concerning with his, you know, plantar fasciitis and his weight, whatever else. But I- I'm just curious about the offensive line, especially McGovern. Like, I'm not sure what you guys think about McGovern as a center, mm-hmm. but you kind of like going into the offseason, a lot of us expected some big names to be added to the offensive line. So they got Vera Tucker, which is great. But the right side, you're kind of like, all right, we're doubling down on Fant. You have Van Rote, and you have, all, you know, like, all right, like, you kind of want to get a lot of building blocks. I'm not really sure we had them. So to me, the offensive line is my still uneasy how they play this year. I'm not, I'm kind of concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's totally fair. And I feel similarly. I mean, I think the weapons are going to be good. I think he's going to really, you know, if he, if he plays well, you know, it's definitely going to be because they surround him with the right weapons. Yep. But the right side of the line definitely concerns me. Yep. But as far as McGovern, I'm actually more optimistic. And this is something that Damian Woody brought up with Connor and Joe on Badlands. He was saying that, like, sometimes when guys who are, like, average offensive linemen play against, like, you know, play with better guys on the line, like when he was playing with that great team in 09 and 10, it typically elevates their play. So I think playing with Tucker and assuming Becton's obviously healthy, yep. I think it's going to help McGovern because, you know, he's playing the last year next to Van Roten and Alex Lewis. So, how is that really going to help benefit you in terms of play? I obviously am concerned about Van Roten being the starter. What I'm hoping is they do sign Morgan Moses. We still live with Van Roten. And then we have a swing tackle with Fent because I'm, I, I like what I saw. He was like a pleasant surprise on a horrible team, but it's really hard to see that that kind of guy is going to, you know, just play well again, because he basically was a tight end for most of his career. Yeah. And then we converted him to a right tackle. So Listen, I'm optimistic and hoping for the best, but, you know, the interior play specifically with Van Roten is definitely concerning, but, you know, we'll see what happens. 
The other thing too yeah. is like Mike, Mike. I'm sorry, Mike. Mike Lafleur's offense is supposed to be kind of like get the ball out of his hands, a lot of quick reads, stuff, mm. which is going to help too. Instead of having like you know Sam Darnold running around for his life and all this other stuff, I, they they seem like they're smart to realize when they get the ball out of his hands, when they roll him out of the pocket, kind of putting him in position to you know position to succeed, which we haven't seen in the past either. So that's kind of gives you some faith. So I think overall, where Zach Wilson is now this year, as opposed to the last couple of years with Sam. I, I think it's a better spot, man, all the way around from the coach, the scheme, mm-hmm. the players. You know, there's some, some concerns, but he's in a pretty good spot, man. Yeah, I, I, I would 100% agree with you. I think uh, tight end does remain a question mark. Will, Will Parkinson brought up, a, you know, a good point, kind of comparing his uh, his tenure as a Jet to Sam's, because really that's what it is. He showed flashes at the end of that rookie year. Mm-hmm. You know, second year was was gone. Yep. We had nothing there. And yep. then, you know, really in that third season, he, he struggled out the gates for, for a long time and then kind of showed a little bit of flash at the end of the year. But um, from the offensive line standpoint, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that right side is still a big question mark. I think yep. you're right. Joe Douglas doubling down on fan and, and Jets fans have a tendency to do this. And, and, you know, we're rolling the dice here and hoping that it pans out that yep. that year was indicative of how he's really going to be. And that the first, you know, whatever, five, six years of his career are not, um, I would be in, uh, uh, in big favor of, of signing Morgan Moses. And that goes back to what I spoke yeah. about with Crowder earlier is something the Jets haven't had in a long time, this yeah. depth and reliability. Mm-hmm. That guy start, you know, every game, uh, every season outside of his rookie year, you know, you get that, you allow George Fant to be a backup for, you know, and that's the one complaint I think any Jets fan could have with, uh, with yeah. McKay. last year, he would get dinged uh, in almost every game, you know, yeah. and in out for a couple of plays. And um, who'd we have to, you know, to back him up? Was it Connor McDermott? Who, yeah. <laughs> you know, none of yeah. us want to see him in there. So yeah. signing a guy like Moses, allowing Fant to be a backup on both sides. I think that, uh, you know, that's a, that would be a good deal. Jets fans minds. Yeah, definitely nailed it. So I'm going to, we're going to turn back the clocks a little bit here. Uh, both of you definitely remember this year or more than me. So I want to hear from you because I was obviously really young when Kotite was coaching, but oh. who do you guys think was worse? Kotite or Gase? I just want to know. I, Cause Tyson had a very strong uh, take on Gase all of last season. Go ahead, Tyson. I'll, I'll let you take this one. <laughs> That was my first year being a season ticket holder was Kotite's first year. How blessed <laughs> I was. And they were bad, man. But, I mean, Kotite's teams were bad. But, I mean, this was – last year was something else, man. I mean, that was just – I mean, <laughs> the, the the incompetence, the arrogance, just the, the excuse-making, just the – it's I, – I think Gates is probably one of the worst I've ever seen, man. I mean, that mm-hmm. was just next-level just terribleness. You know, and Kotite was just in over his head. But he he had like he had like a lot of times the Jets were they they started out strong would always fade towards the end they made stupid mistakes but they had talent they just underachieved the Jets were just terrible last year like like you can make an mm-hmm. argument you that like, we we had more questions than answer last year because we weren't sure if the co- the team was competing even playing or being well coached like we didn't know anything about them like mm-hmm. it was I mean I I don't that know whole comment was. with uh, Bradley McDougal base who was saying yeah like our practices are a joke or something like that yeah. that was pretty much a huge indictment on the coach and I know Gase would always be like oh yeah we're the best practice team in football but oh, I didn't God. see it on Sundays. Steven, what do yeah. you think? <laughs> oh, I mean, going four and 28 in back-to-back seasons is, mm-hmm. is tough. And uh, it's hard to, to top that. And I was young at the time. I was, let's see, 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my father, bless his heart, would take me out because the Jets were never on regular TV during those yep. days. So he'd take me out to pay for a meal and watch the games every week. But I think unequivocally last year with, with Gase was worse. Yeah. It was the, the worst season I've ever seen. Just uncompetitive, made me uninterested. I never got a beacon of hope at any point uh, during the season, it was 
as unwatchable as you can get and that uh and because the team i thought it had a chance i mean that listen i think you know now looking back at it the roster was devoid of talent but with sam a young quarterback i thought it had a chance to really elevate and at least play competitive football yeah. and just never got there so for that reason i think ace was uh well, was worse other, in my opinion well, the other thing too is that you look at just what happened Cotite had he had what you know he had like neil o'donnell and then he had guys like that i mean gase destroyed a franchise quarterback in theory like yeah. he mm-hmm. took a he took a young quarterback and destroyed him like mm-hmm. that alone makes you one of the worst quarterbacks of all time. Cause you look at what he's done. I mean, that's, he took, he took what like our, our hope and potential and set us back two years of a rebuild because of how poorly he was. You're a podcast listener. And this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a tough one. So, I'm going to get some questions from um, some of our, our, li- okay. our viewers. So, Dalvin, your old friend from TOJ, wants to know. Uh, what Jets player do you think could be a really good MMA fighter since you are, you know, an MMA guy and you do train some guys on the side? Um, that's a really good question. We could do current I, and old if you want to, because it might make that a little, a little easier. My guy would me, be Laurent Landry just because of how jacked that guy was. Yeah. Well, see, in MMA, the, the muscle bellies like that actually work against you okay. because then you're, you gas out a lot faster. You're, you may not be as um, explosive as you want to be. To me, I would say Quentin Williams okay. because Quentin Williams for his size – for how explosive and athletic he is, is exactly what works in MMA now. You look at some of the champions now, all those high-level guys, it's all about explosive maneuvers, power, strength. And for his size and ability, I think he'd be, he'd be really good, man. I think that's be the guy. <laughs> I'd love to see well, listen, that. Listen, I, I don't know much about MMA, but following that, uh, I'd have to throw out Chris Jenkins. I mean, do we think Chris Jenkins oh, could be it? Another too? guy, yep. Because, yep, I mean, I remember guy. him clubbing a, a lineman in the Texans, just one right arm swivel, yep. and boom, that went right over. Yep. So, I also yeah, think, no, that's a good one. I felt like <laughs> Calvin Pace, too, because he was so fast and quick, and he's just like a big <laughs> dude, but he wasn't like an overly powering big dude. He was just was like chiseled. He would be someone I think would be great. Um, and then I'll, I'll pose a question to both of you as well. So who do you guys think will have the best year in uh, 2021 of uh, 2020, 2020 class? Um, I guess you, we don't have to include Becton, Mims, or Hall. So I guess maybe between Ashton Davis, maybe our boy Cam Clark, who do you think is going to do the, be- do the best? <laughs> Man. I mean, 
there's a lot of pressure on Mims, to be honest with you, because he mm-hmm. we have a lot of expectations for him to really break out. Because everybody, to me, the problem I have is a lot of this draft class is getting a pass because they're going to say they're coached by Gase and they all battled injuries, right? That's mm-hmm. pretty much the, the rap on almost all of them. And half yeah. of them didn't even play. They weren't active. Cam Clark, James Morgan's a waste. I mean, some of these picks, you know, Ashton Davis got hurt. But if, if we're going to say no back to the Mims, um, I mean, Bryce Hall's a good – I mean, to me, what is Zuniga? I have no idea what he is because mm-hmm. he, he didn't really do anything. And then, I guess to me, Ashton Davis, because everybody mm-hmm. keeps touting his, his athleticism, his speed, his you know, ball-hawking ability, all these different things. Well, he's got to, A, stay healthy, and he's got to show it because he's got to have a lot, a lot of opportunities, especially if Marcus May leaves next year or whatever they do yeah. with him. You know, you have Lamarcus Joyner, but Ashton Davis has a chance to make to make a real big impact on the defense. So to me, it's like I kind of want to see what he can do. The rest of the class, I mean, Cameron Clark, everybody was so high on. He wasn't even freaking active last year, which I don't <laughs> I don't understand how in a lost year he doesn't play. It still makes me insane. But if he could come on, that'd be great too. But I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, Steve. What do you think? I think uh, I, I would have probably said Ashton Davis as well, just Salah's defense, knowing the lack of depth at corner. So I, I got to figure that Salah's going to find ways to use him and get him on the yep. field so because of, you know, getting his skill set on there would be advantageous to the team. Uh, you talk about Zuniga. I mean, you know, Tyson, what you mentioned before on the D line, it's going to be tough to make those cuts. Well, he's one of those guys that could be on the yep. outside looking in in, in year yep. two. And that's, you know, that's, that, that's unfortunate, but that's just the reality of the situation. So, I think I'd probably go Bryce Hall outside of Ashton Davis just because yeah. um, him, I think he was his own, you know, zone scheme fit uh, coming out of college. And now he's going to be back in that with Sala uh, going back to that lack of depth. I just, uh, I just mentioned on the, you know, in the corner room, I think that kind of thrusts him into the probably the number one spot. So um, it's sink or swim, but I think uh, he's probably primed for uh, you know, a bigger year. Yeah. No, you, I think you guys nailed both of them. I think, I like Ashton Davis. I know he obviously got overwhelmed at times. I know they put him in some pretty bad positions in that defense. I also just didn't think he fit the Greg Williams defense. But like you said, I think he's going to be utilized as like a Swiss army knife type of role, maybe like a hybrid between a safety and a linebacker, because let's be honest here. We don't really have great linebacking depth. So I think they may use him in that type of Jamal Adams role where he's, you know, maybe blitzing a little bit, going into coverage against tight ends. I think with his just raw athleticism, it'll definitely translate into something. But he did show a few flashes specifically late in the year last year. So I'm excited to see what he could do in year two. And, you know, I think just playing in this defense versus the Greg Williams defense is definitely going to be a benefit to him. And really just every guy on the roster who was on the team last year, because ultimately that defense just didn't work because it couldn't stop anybody. It's fair. So, uh, Tyson, my next question here, I'll, we'll go back to the well a little bit since we're talking about Jets, Jets nostalgia, which I always love. But uh, so <laughs> fill in the blank. Uh, your most this, or the 21, 2021 season is the most exciting you've been since what season? Uh, I mean, we got to probably say 2015 because they went on a roll, dude, with, mm-hmm. you know, I was not a big Fitzpatrick fan, but, you know, Decker and Marshall, like the offense was exciting, stuff like that. I mean, that's. That was an exciting team, man. We, we all kind of yeah. bought in, and then they, they melted down in Buffalo, which was mm-hmm. a disaster. But that was fun to watch because, like, we've been watching so much bad football for so long. We get any glimmer of hope. We embrace it so much because it's just mm-hmm. we're not used to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. but I guess if, if you're looking at a team that you're excited about with a young quarterback in the future, I mean, you're probably going back to what? The Sanchez years. I mean, that's it's, it's been a rough ride. Yeah. Yes. What's right? It's, it hasn't been pretty. <laughs> like, the Geno years weren't pretty. I mean, it's. Yeah. No, we were actually talking about this in our Slack channel for TOJ about like revisionist history. If Gino was the quarterback in 2015, Dalvin was saying he thinks that we would have made the playoffs. I'm not really sure because Fitz was really good. I know obviously really he melted good. down the last game, but like he's a huge reason why we won 10 yeah. games that year. 
And he was a Pro Bowl quarterback. He really was. I mean, he threw 31 yeah. touchdowns. I know mm-hmm. he melted down the last game, but you can't really forget, especially that game against the Pats. He was awesome. And they did win yeah. that game in overtime. Definitely one of the most exciting games in the last decade, really, since they were yep. in the playoffs in 2011. But yeah, I agree with you. That's probably for me as well. Um, it's just like I said, it was just fun. You know, like we had a good running game. We had receivers who could make plays. I mean, just Decker and Marshall, I mean, you could argue they were probably the best duo that year in football. I yeah, mean, yeah. maybe not the two best players, but just that Marshall's combination incredible. was awesome. Yep. It was just so much fun. And I'm hoping that we get to see something even remotely close to that within the next year or two. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope, man. Well, just yeah. having a season where you're not out of it by in October. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just have something to root for. Like where it's not like mm-hmm. you're talking about the draft, you know, at Halloween. I mean, that's just, that's the worst. <laughs> Be in the hunt graphic, as I've said multiple yeah. times on this yes. show. Give me that's, all, that's all Steven wants just to see all like, I want, man. I, that's you know, even like in, that that's you know. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely more of a personal question I guess really about your show is what made you and Kevin start let's talk Jets because if you guys haven't tuned in definitely check it out I know you guys are definitely a little less active during the offseason but during the season man it's the reaction to games you got the day after and then you were and then on Tuesdays you guys have callers which is awesome I've, yeah. I've been a caller before and it was definitely a good time just to rent especially last year but uh what made you guys start off the show um to be completely honest with you because I hate the media and I hate when the media talks tries to talk for the jet fans and tries mm-hmm. to say things like jet fans think this and jet fans think that and they write stories and you're like this isn't even true like we like I, I think a lot of them, I mean, there's some that are very good, but a good portion that had the job for a long period of time are very lazy and they take things for granted and they come out the same negative nonsense, the same, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they don't, they wouldn't hold the team accountable for stupidity. Like they, you know, they, they have their sources. So they don't want to say certain things. Like mm-hmm. when Chris Johnson comes out and doubles down on Adam Gase, which is completely insanity, how you, how you say, well, you know, the team has to know. Like, so we started getting fed up with it. Like, listen, fans deserve a voice. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, a legitimate voice. We're all fans. We live and die with the team. And don't tell us what we think and don't tell us what we feel and don't try to sell us nonsense that we don't believe in. So we just say, hey, you know what? Let's start a show and talk about it ourselves and, and kind of do it that way and let, you know, bring callers on to talk about it and share their voice and give everybody a voice and then get it out there and let people realize, hey, man, like Jet fans aren't the idiots that you think we are. Like, you know, Jet fans from the outside world, we get a bad rap for a lot of things, but we're actually mm-hmm. very intelligent. We're very knowledgeable. We just had to watch very bad teams for a long period of time. So we get fed mm-hmm. up quickly because we know bad things when we see it. Like we have like a, we have like a, a memory bank of we know when something's mm-hmm. going to go wrong. Cause we've been there already. We, we can yep. see a bad coach or a bad quarterback or a bad corner. Like we know the, the tendencies. So we I, started the show for that, man. Just kind of give everybody a, a voice. I think the misconception about Jeff fans is that they're not intelligent. I think it's just more delusional than anything else. I know Steven always talks about the jet goggles. Like it's like, we overhype some guy just because he's on our team. I, I definitely agree with that. There definitely are fans who just, you know, I don't think know too much about the game, but right. you know, I definitely think you're totally on point with that. I think it's just, we get a bad rep because it's the jets. The media mm-hmm. loves to kill the jets, especially nationally on always. ESPN and all the pundits. So I definitely agree. But one of the things that you guys used to hit on your show, basically every week until the end of the season, is just the media was just giving him softball questions. And I couldn't stand yeah. listening to that. Like, I feel like I know Salah obviously is new and they're going to give him a pass this year and then we'll see what happens. But like, I want, like, if you're going to criticize the guy, criticize the guy. Like somebody asked Garrett Cole about the sticky substance. He was completely uncomfortable and did not yes, know how to answer. You need to put these guys and hold them accountable. Seriously. That's what you need to do. That's, that's what they're getting paid a lot of money to do. And the fans and the media deserve to hear real questions with legitimate answers. Not like the BS. Oh, we'll watch the film BS. It was so annoying. Well, and, and they, oh. what they do is they would they would roast Sam Darnold. 
Like you get, they put, they put on their big boy pants and just attack Sam <laughs> when you just sat here and let Gase just say, I got to watch the film. And they wouldn't even ask him, the thing that bothered me most, they wouldn't even ask him like basic like X's and O's questions. Like, okay, if it's third and one and fourth and one, why are you passing here? Or, or we, would, we would joke around, why are you always running the ball on first down? Like, like stupid things. Like if I could drink 10 beers and call your plays, it's a problem. What, like ask like legitimate football questions and make him answer it. And like they would just, and that's what you started saying. You know what? These guys are puppets because when they all come out with the same story on the same day, it's always what the jets are doing. They're giving them the story to write. Say, listen, you give, you go write this story. We'll give you a source. We'll give you, we'll give you like this inside, whatever scoop or something like that, dude. It's, it's terrible. There's no account. They try to act big and bad, but to me, honestly, I thought last year, half their articles were written on Friday for Monday. Like they mm-hmm. just, they had it all mailed in and you, we all know who those guys are. And it's yeah. like, come on, man. Like, like if I had that job, like I would love it, dude, because you can, you ask like football questions. You don't have to be nasty, but just hold them mm-hmm. accountable. Like, why yeah. are you doing this? Like, how do you not know what your calls are on defense? How do you not override this? Like things like that. It's crazy. <laughs> the yeah. funniest, the funniest thing about it though, was the one guy who actually was super critical of them was Manish. And they obviously yep. kicked him off yep. the beat for, yep. you know, reasons that we learned about later. Yep. But it, I think a lot of them just had that fear because they saw what happened with that and they didn't want to lose their credentials. But at the end of the day, it's freedom of speech and media. You're allowed to write whatever you want. Obviously, mm-hmm. don't say anything personal about the people, but you're allowed to criticize their performance on Sundays. That's what that's what being part of the media is about. But I mean, no, and I that's think- why. But that's why they're all losing subscribers. That's why you guys are getting yeah. all a lot more followers. Everybody's getting a lot more clicks because you know what? Are you going to read Samini's piece when you know it's all nonsense or Brian Costello's fluff piece? I mean, Connor does <laughs> a lot of good stuff. But I mean, you know, like now it's like I'd rather read Turn on the Jets. I'd rather read your guys' analysis or Connor Rogers stuff. I'd rather read legitimate football analysis that has the Jets, you know, like objectively being analyzed over this nonsense that's coming out of the New York Post or Daily News. It, it's not, it's like, it's like apples and oranges at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's the key is objective. And that's, you know, our, our, you know, our leader, Joe Caparoso probably gets yep. crucified more than anyone for being mm-hmm. pessimistic about the Jets when in reality, he's just being realistic. Yep. And, you know, Tyson, your point about, I mean, the Jets were, uh, Costello wrote a piece, I think before the season, you know, even about how this is all on Sam's shoulder. Didn't make one mention of Adam Gase. Yep. That's the stuff that we're looking for. I mean, that's just good, honest assessment of the team and where they're at and take off whatever glasses you have on just look with your with your eyes and you know give an honest you know an honest uh, feedback on it that's all we're looking for so i think it's a great point tyson yeah and they, and, they, and, they, and what pissed me off about him is he would then waffle like he would crucify oh jeff fans are so negative jeff fans are this jeff fans they have no patience he writes that in week one six weeks later i guess gase isn't the guy no kidding dude we've already told you this for we told you this for three months like, but that's the whole thing. Like they don't, they always try to preach to us. Like we don't know what we're talking about because they don't really care about the jobs. They half-ass it. And then it's like, listen, we, like a lot of times we understand because we watch it. We, we care that much about it. And we're invested in it. We're there. It's just a job. They check in, they check out and they're out. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Listen, that's how some people operate. The Gase thing, you know, 99% of this fan base knew that Gase was a mistake as soon as the hire was made. Yep. As yep. soon as we let Matt Rule walk out the door and yep. turned our attention to Gase, and what was it, 10 minutes later, yep. he's all of a sudden head coach and bringing along Dow Loggins. Everyone saw the writing on the wall. Everyone knew this wasn't going to be a success. And, you know, credit to us because we, we still have to be Jets fans, so we hope it yeah. works. Mm-hmm. We know it's not going to, but we hope like hell it works. And uh, it didn't. And that was just – that was the biggest mistake, and that's why we're all feeling as optimistic as we are right now because, you know – Joe Douglas and Salah got are in lockstep, and it seems like we're on the right trajectory here to take off and uh, and do the right things. Yeah. You know, and the, the other thing too is that what I think the best thing about all the fan podcasts, all the fan sites taking off, is there's so much great content and so much great analysis where it's like you're almost forcing the media to do their job now. 
Yeah. It's like, all right, you, you write the one fluff piece about, you know, Zach Wilson's doing good. Okay, but I, you know how many other articles you can write right now? You're sitting there watching all these young players play. You have all these guys that are a, uh, drafted in the later rounds, all these different stories, all the competition, all different – like there's so much you can write about. And what's happening is all the fan sites are doing it. All these other – like everybody, you guys, everybody's doing that, and they're not. And that's what's awesome, man. I, yeah. I just think it's just a whole changing of the guard, man. And it's like – they're led by turn on the Jets, like Joe, Connor, all you guys. It's just phenomenal, man. It's it's much better for Jet fans. We're getting like there's just better stuff to read, better, you know, better analysis, and it's more productive. It's honest. I think honesty is key yep. with anything. And it's just yep. people want to hear like real thought. They don't want to hear just like, you know, you got this one source, so you're gonna like put this little fake rumor, like you know, just spinning everything in the direction yep. that you want it to be. And I agree with you. It's just it's tough to read it sometimes and like. I've been really liking what I've seen from DJ, who's the new beat guy yep. on the Daily News. Yep. I think he's got some good stuff. We're actually yep. going to have him on the show during camp the first week, so I'm really excited about that. Yep. I really like his approach. He's, you know, he actually admits that he's a Dolphins fan, so he's definitely going to be objectively against the Jets, which is good. You know, you don't want him to be too for the Jets. But, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what he could bring to the table and see what kind of questions he asks during those press conferences because, like, it was just unwatchable and it just wasn't fun to see as a fan. Yeah, and just and like it's like you said, like if you if you if they play horribly, say they're playing horribly. Like don't mm-hmm. fluff us, man. Like don't don't try to sell us a bag of goods because that's when you lose accountability. And if they're playing good, say they're playing good. Like it's just it's very easy to do. But it's like, you know, like Jet fans aren't like we're cynical, obviously, because we have every right to be. Mm-hmm. But like if we're all angry and, and pissed off, maybe look into why we're all doing because we're we're basing it on lessons learned in the past, like things we've seen in the past. You know what I mean? Like if we see like whatever, like we saw some of the things in Gaze that Todd Bowles was doing. So mm-hmm. we've already seen it not working. You know what I mean? So it's not like we're like we're ignorant. Like, no, we, we could tell you why it's not going to work because we've already seen it's not working. Yeah. And it's like, they're always like, what do you guys know? Your fans. We watch other teams. Like I watch Red Zone. I've been watching the Patriots who've been unbelievable for yep. 20 years. I know obviously they're down here, but like, that's how we know what a football team should be like. Yep. They're prepared every week. They don't come out flat. You know, they always take advantage of those timeouts, which we always, for some reason, leave on the table going to yep. halftime, which drove me nuts with Todd Bowles and Gase used to do it as well. So yeah, well, it's just, I want to see signs, man. Well, the other thing too, is how many quarterbacks came off the street last year or fourth string quarterbacks or fifth string quarterbacks come in, they throw for like 280 yards, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The offense is flying up and down the field. And then they're like, Gase's offense is 110 yards, you know, <laughs> grossness. And there's no question about it. Like, okay, well, Taylor right. Heineke just threw for 400 yards. How does he do that? And Sam <laughs> Darnold can't break 200. Like, how's that? Like, it's just, it drove it's, me insane. Yeah, man. it was, it was definitely frustrating when you'd see a guy like Taylor Heineke playing well in a playoff game. People were like, yep. does this guy deserve a shot to be a quarterback? <laughs> Obviously it was a little overreaction, but like, yeah. you know, like there were some guys who were just showing things. Like, I, I feel like um, the guy on Cincinnati, when Joe Burrow went down, they yep. beat the Steelers on Monday night yep. football. And that guy yep. had no business being on the field. And he looked yep. pretty confident just because that's coaching. And yep. unfortunately we didn't have a coach last year. Yep. But uh, but Sam Darnold throws a garbage time touchdown to Braxton Berrios down 33 <laughs> nothing to the Niners, and we're supposed to keep him because of that throw. Yeah, it's <laughs> some frustrating stuff, man. Terrible. But uh, Tyson, thank you so much for joining the show. Really happy to have you on. Hope you had a good time with us. Um, like I said, don't forget to check out his show. Uh, you know, you could throw in the plug here because I don't know which days you guys are on right now, but obviously, go ahead. Yeah, no, at Talk Jets Radio, Instagram and Twitter. Let's Talk Jets Radio on YouTube. We're uh. Tuesday night, every Tuesday night, we're always on. Some Mondays, right now, it's like we're having really hectic schedules and it's kind of quiet. But once the season starts, from Monday night, Tuesday night, Friday night, Sundays after the game, we keep pretty busy. 
And it's just uh, just fans talking, man. We're not as detailed as you guys are. We don't do a lot of breakdown of X's and O's. We're more chaotic and just more emotional. But uh, and anytime you guys want to talk, man, I'm, this is awesome. I, do, I come back on again for sure. Yeah, we could do we could do yeah. a crossover maybe one night during the season. I'm, I'm in for I that, man. Do it. My, our, our, our dude, our subscriber, our listeners are crazy, man. They are just wild. They dude, just... I love Tyrone. Tyrone <laughs> is the funniest guy in the world. If you don't know Tyrone, you got to listen oh. to Tyrone on Tuesday nights. <laughs> dude, he is. He the funny thing about him is, dude, he's six foot seven and about 360 pounds. So the first time I met him, it was a Jets Redskins practice down in, in Washington. We go there. I never met him before. So he's like, I'm over here by the tree or something like that. And dude, he looked like Beckton. I mean, he was enormous. <laughs> so when he gave me the hug, he picked me up like I was a rag doll. Like, I'm like, this is nuts. He, he's, well, he's a big dude, man. You're gonna have to get him on our show because I think people will yeah. love to hear him, and we'll get him on video so they can see how big he is. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Cool. That, that'll uh, be a, that'll be a cursing show though, because he got he, his mouth, man. It's he's, he <laughs> yes. lets it fly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank everyone for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our podcast, Turn on the Jets Pod, and also, like I've always mentioned, every episode, definitely check out Badlands on Patreon.